Hello, my friend. Welcome to the DDP for the sixth day of May. I'm Paul White. Um, Say a prayer for driving mercies for my wife and I. We are on our way this week to Crete, Nebraska. We will be watching our son Lucas play a couple of tournament baseball games as his conference tournament closes out. And then on Mother's Day this Sunday, we'll be at his college graduation. It is hard to believe. Some of you have been following our ministry from the time I would talk about Lucas as a little kid or as going to little uh, travel tournaments and things. And uh, you followed us all the way through, and it's hard to believe he is about to graduate college. He does have another year of eligibility to play baseball, and he is going to take advantage of that and come back and play for one year of grad school next year. But we're driving up for the graduation, and we're really excited about it. We haven't got to watch him play. This is amazing. We haven't got to watch him play on his home field since he's been at college. We've either always met him on the road um, or just things didn't work out. So this is going to be fun. Um, say a prayer for us as we journey. Okay, First Timothy chapter 1, we are walking into the first real moment where Paul, he's not in the salutation of greeting any longer. He's in this, what's going to be a warning against false teaching. There's this run right here from verse 3 down through verse 11 that's really the same thought, but I don't want to try to do all that in one or even two podcasts. So let's just take our time and start with the reading. I urge you, as I did when I was on my way to Macedonia, to remain in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain people not to teach any different doctrine and not to occupy themselves with myths and endless genealogies that promote speculations rather than the divine training that is known by faith. But the aim of such instruction is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith. Some people have deviated from these and turned to meaningless talk, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they're saying or the things about which they make assertions. From here, he then goes into what it would look like to actually teach the law versus when you would teach it, why you would teach it, and to whom. I don't want to get on that yet. I want to just stay in this thought of of Paul really moving into the body of the letter. And his intention here seems to be to instruct Timothy in how he should act in Paul's absence as a representative over the church at Ephesus. This is the same church at Ephesus that Paul founds in the book of Acts, writes to in the letter to the church at Ephesians, and then the same church that is the first church of the seven churches in Asia in Revelation chapter 2. Same Ephesus. And he's really going to open with what must have been an enormous problem in Ephesus, and that's the false teaching. Now, if you look at the Ephesian church in Acts, they had an issue with the goddess Diana. They had a cult in the city that worshipped the goddess Diana. When you get to the book of 1 John, at the end of it, John has this odd little moment where he says, my little children, keep yourself from idols. John's letter is believed to be written to the church at Ephesus. And so you have the Diana cult being confronted in Acts in Ephesus. You have 1 John writing to the little church in Ephesus, warning them against idolatry. And then in Revelation, you get a repeat of that same imagery. And so this there's a proliferation of idolatry and false teaching that seems to 
pervade the church at Ephesus. It seems to be its major vice. And whatever these are, whatever this this uh, is, is worth our taking a couple minutes here and at least giving it a passing glance because this happens over and over again. There's a there's this false teaching at Ephesus is dealt with in 2 Timothy 2, 4. That's the next letter. This letter, 1 Timothy 1, twice, 4, 6. Um, all of these spots in this book, there's this real concern, sometimes with fables and myths being taught, sometimes with genealogies, quarrels about wording and word usage, controversies, knowledge. Uh, at one point he says meaningless talk, godless chatter, some of the doctrines that come out. We don't get all of them, but he does talk about some of them. He talks about prohibition of marriage, um, the the prohibition against eating certain foods. There was also a, a belief that the resurrection had already occurred, and there was a revival of Jewish law, uh, placing restrictions on certain things, including prayer. Now, all of this stuff culminates in really the thought that Paul is trying to establish the doctrines of grace, justification by faith, righteousness, and yet on every at every turn, something else keeps coming up. What strikes me about it is that's not unusual. Okay, first of all, that's not unusual. It's not unusual that we have doctrinal issues. That's just life, okay? Paul doesn't seem to be ticky-tack. It's not as if he's going, oh, well, they think this about the doctrine, but that makes them wrong. No, it's stuff that, it's, it's stuff that are taking away from people being able to be free. This always seems to be a problem for Paul, that he can't stand it when the doctrines muddy the waters, that people can no longer be free because they're arguing about things. I mean, listen to some of the stuff they're arguing about, like word usage, genealogies. What are they doing? They're, it's like they're tracing their heritage back to a certain trot. I've, I've been around this, even in Christian circles, where we're, we're infatuated with numerology, we're infatuated with genealogy, we're infatuated with Jewish feast days and the color on the, the curtains in the tabernacle. And there's all this major stuff being made out of minor points. And all it's doing a lot of times is it's not really enhancing people's faith. It's just muddy in the waters. It's getting people to where they're so confused they can't even look at a verse and interpret it themselves because they've been taught that there's 75 deep things in that verse that you have to uncover if you want to be able to come up with the truth. And I think it, I don't know that it's more or less of a problem now than it was in Paul's day, but I know I'm pretty sure that Paul would say the same thing today about it and be like, look, why are you occupying yourselves with this endless stuff and these speculations rather than divine training? Speculations. Oh my gosh. Is the church ate up with speculation? Paul believed it was false, false teaching. Let's just do some inventory. That's all I ask. Do a little inventory. Tomorrow we're going to talk about the sermon we're going to post on Sunday and we'll be back in the first Timothy letter. We'll see you then. God bless.